This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It is Monday, November 28th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Lance Glynn. Before we start, remember to give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, make sure to subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. So full disclosure, I originally planned on discussing what was a very exciting rivalry weekend, maybe take a look at conference championship weekend coming up, but then the coaching carousel began spinning at an incredibly fast pace. Hires were made, jobs were reportedly turned down, coaches decided to stay where they were at. So on today's episode, we're going to discuss the wild movement we saw over the last few days that saw Luke Fickle, Kenny Dillingham, Matt Rule, among others find new homes. So joining me on this Monday to break it all down is 24-7 Sports National College football writer Chris Hummer. Hummer, what's going on, man? Thanks so much for coming on and joining me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. Just a just a typical Sunday in college football, you know? Nothing happening yeah. at all. You can never sleep. You can never sleep. As we've found out over the last, uh, last coaching cycle, for sure, and now this coaching cycle certainly starting to heat up as the regular season, the pre- conference championship weekend regular season came to an end this past weekend. So a wild weekend, both on the field and off of it. And as I said before, we're going to discuss mostly what happened off of it. New faces in new places in the Midwest, in Arizona, and one coach that decided he was comfortable with where he was at. And let's start there. So for a while now, it's been reported that Lane Kiffin was Auburn's first choice, right? For a while, it was believed that after Thursday's Egg Bowl, he would ultimately make a decision on his future. And he did. He chose to stay at Ole Miss and this weekend agreed on a long-term extension to remain the head coach of the Rebels. So first off, just what do you make of Kiffin's decision to remain in Oxford? And second, where Auburn now goes from here with their rumored backup option and Hugh Freeze, maybe not looking so likely now either. Maybe Auburn has a little egg on its face after the egg ball. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like um, it. I like it. I like it. Sorry, sorry about that, folks listening at home. It's it's interesting for Lane Kiffin. I think Lane Kiffin, more than anything, with this job search for him, was trying to leverage more resources from Ole Miss. Ole Miss, all offseason, had been trying to generate NIL money. You've heard Lane Kiffin mention it multiple times. You've heard Lane Kiffin take shots at the fan base, showing up to home games. You've heard Lane Kiffin kind of poke the bear multiple times, as Lane Kiffin does. And I don't, I think Auburn thought Lane was going. And I think maybe, I, I don't know, on a psychoanalyze anything, I think Lane Kiffin, maybe for a little bit, thought Lane was going. But at the end of the day, he was able to leverage via his agent Auburn into getting pretty much everything you wanted at Ole Miss. Um, he's going to be one of the highest paid coaches in the country. 
Ole Miss's NIL fund has been kickstarted and they are going to be very aggressive in that way. Lane Kiffin has a long-term contract, which is something that's been a hold up because of the state laws in Mississippi, but um, they found a creative way to get around that. And now it's an eight-year deal long-term. And Lane Kiffin is now set up to do something at Ole Miss that most coaches haven't been, which is build a sustainable product because of the resources that are going to be invested there. So I think that's where he stayed. Ole Miss is certainly a safer place to stay than Auburn. We've seen the dysfunction that surrounds the Auburn program. They make Texas look tame in terms of their boosters meddling with things. And I live in Austin. So like that is a lot to say about a group of boosters. So I think from that perspective, it makes sense. I think Auburn's slightly better in terms of a baseline to recruit, but your two biggest rivals are arguably two of the four best programs in the country in Alabama and Georgia, which is a difficult place to be. So I think Lane... I don't know if it's the right decision, but I think Lane made a sensible decision staying at Ole Miss and it's a place he can win from and maybe eventually leverage like a bigger job when they come open. Like we're not too far away from Nick Saban retiring. Like You hit hit the nail on the head right there. I was about to say, are you, uh, are you implying that uh, an Alabama job, uh, you know, may or may not be in Lane Kiffin's future, depending on obviously how things go at Ole Miss and the, you know, as his contract plays out. But uh, I'm sure when Saban retires, uh, Lane will be a name mentioned when the time comes. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't think Auburn is that much better of a job than Ole Miss. And so, like, if you're Lane Kiffin, like, if you're going to take one more blue blood job, he's obviously already at Tennessee. He's had USC. Like, now he's at Ole Miss. If you're going to take one more swing, it's going to be the last swing of your career, more than likely. You're not going to get another job of that level. And by waiting this year and staying at Ole Miss, like, Lane keeps his options open for the future. You're right. If you were to take Auburn and, and, and it didn't go well, maybe at a time when Alabama came open, he wouldn't be considered. Obviously, it makes sense for him to stay at Ole Miss. Like you said, he'll have the opportunity to really build that program long term now uh, that a lot of coaches haven't done in Oxford. And with Auburn, you know, they're kind of left with, you know, their hands up in the air saying, where do we go from here? Lane, who was rumored to be their first choice, is staying at Ole Miss. The belief is that Hugh Freeze is looking less and less likely. So Auburn, with a new AD, is kind of sitting there saying, what's next? Because their first two choices aren't really going to pan out. That's an interesting one. Um, And I would definitely encourage everybody to go read Auburn Undercover. They've been all over this coaching search. My colleague, Brandon Marcello, has definitely been all over this. And obviously, as you said, the interest in Hugh Freeze is cooled. And I I mean, I I was talking to a coach who was an Auburn alumnus earlier today, and he was just as curious where they're going to go as everybody else is. Cause like right now I, I would be lying if I said I knew like it's been Lane Kiff and Hugh Freeze this entire time. And for them to essentially miss on both of those candidates, at least potentially in Hugh Freeze's case um, is a pretty big surprise. Auburn is willing to swing big. I know they're going to pay this coach a significant amount of money. So maybe there's a mystery candidate out there that I'm not aware of. I'd be incorrect to speculate honestly about this because I'm, I'm not sure, but um, it'll be very, it'll be very fascinating to follow it because it's, it's never boring at Auburn. Heck, maybe they just hand Cadillac the keys for a year or two and we'll see what happens. But um, I, I don't anticipate that happening. It'll be fun. Yeah, it is never boring at Auburn. And it'll be interesting to see where they go with this head coaching search. So Hummer, I want to head out west now. Let's talk Arizona State before we head to the two schools in the Midwest. Oregon offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham is now the new head coach with the Sun Devils. 
He's an Arizona native. He went to ASU. He was an offensive assistant back in 2014. And I don't know if you saw his press conference, but I think it was just so obvious how much this opportunity means to him. He's the youngest power five head coach. It's his first head coaching opportunity. I think he's, and correct me if I'm wrong, the first power five head coach, maybe the first head coach in college football to be born uh, in 1990 or I guess later, which is crazy because he's only six years older than me. Uh, I don't foresee myself becoming a head coach in the next six years personally, but just what are your thoughts on the hire and Arizona State's decision to hand the program over to Kenny Dillingham? Well, first, Lance, I really hope you apply for that open Rutgers OC job. I think, uh, I think <laughs> hey, look, I'd get paid a lot more than they paid Sean Gleason. Let me tell you that much. I, I take it for a 10th. Well, he's, a, he's an Ivy League grad. He doesn't need a, he doesn't need all that money. It'll be It'll be interesting to see what happens with Kenny Dillingham. I, I want to just say, first of all, he's the first ever 30 under 30 member, uh, which is a list we put together at 24-7 Sports to be named the head coach. So that feels good on that feels good on my end. Uh, we hit on one of them, one of the coaches. And I think Kenny's hire is about two things. It's about energy. Kenny is going to come in there at 100 miles an hour. And it's about bringing somebody with deep Arizona ties that can recruit that area and reinforce the program um, and build some of the walls back that Herm Edwards has had knocked down during his tenure. Um, it doesn't hurt that he's one of the most respected up and coming offensive minds in college football. Those guys tend to get jobs early. I'm not 100% sure how it'll go. Um, I'd like to think Kenny will be successful there. It's going to be a bit of a rebuild and there are still potential looming NCAA sanctions. But I think if they're patient with Kenny Dillingham, who is going to have to make mistakes on the job, that's what happens when you're a 32-year-old head coach. Um, you're going to make mistakes on the job. But if they give him a little room to breathe, they let him recruit, which I expect him to do at a very high level. Um, I think Kenny Dillingham could have a lot of success at Arizona State. Yeah, and when you mentioned recruiting, you know, Kenny Dillingham played a, a vital role in Oregon landing the services of five-star quarterback Dante Moore. That'll be a fun conversation. The next <laughs> Does Arizona State now make a pitch for Dante Moore? Uh, but I did see, I think, Dante, and I could be wrong. Um, I could have just been looking blindly at something else, but I believe I saw Dante Moore uh, tweet words of encouragement to Kenny Dillingham uh, either earlier today or, or yesterday, you know, wishing him the best of luck, essentially, as he goes to Arizona State. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will hit on the hires at Wisconsin and Nebraska and a surprise decision uh, for one coach to step down as well. You're listening to the College Football Daily. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Back here on the College Football Daily, Lance Glenn joined by Chris Hummer. So Hummer, the Midwest was really at the center of the coaching carousel this weekend. First, Matt Rule took the job at Nebraska, returning to college after being fired by the Carolina Panthers earlier this season. And then on Sunday, Luke Fickle, in a decision that definitely surprised me, got hired at Wisconsin. So now with Fickle, you know, I say it surprised me, and obviously not in a negative way. I think it's a great hire without a doubt. I, and I'm sure others, just assumed that it would be Jim Leonard. You know, all the, all the tea leaves were saying that Jim Leonard was going to be the guy once he was named interim head coach when Paul Chris was fired. But was Wisconsin went big. They got Fickle. So what do you think about the decision to go with him over Leonard? And do you think that the Fickle to Wisconsin hire, so far at least, has been the best one made? I really love Matt Rule's fit in Nebraska, but I think they would be the co-best hires. Um, obviously, these are both slam dunks in my opinion. I think I would look at Luke Fickle this way. Obviously, like on paper, it's a great hire. Um, Luke Fickle has done amazing things at Cincinnati. He's recruited at a level that we haven't seen. I think he's going to modernize um, Wisconsin's recruiting uh, backbone, which has been a problem for years. I think he's going to put together the best elements of what's made Wisconsin great under Paul Chris, which is owning your backyard, embracing your identity as a smash off football team, also modernizing things a little bit. I think Luke Wilkes is an excellent coach, and I think it's a great hire. I think it also signals the way college football is trending. Cincinnati is about to join the Big 12. Luke Fickle is extremely well, well compensated um, for a coach in the Big 12. But for Wisconsin to be able to swing this big, it shows, as we've seen recently, that teams in the Big Ten and the SEC are such an inherent advantage because of the money they will have flowing into their programs. I think Cincinnati would have done, would have liked nothing more to keep Luke Fickle, but you just can't pay him what he's going to get paid at Wisconsin. And this is just part of a shifting power dynamic of the sport. I think Cincinnati in the Big 12 has a better path to contention, at least immediately, than Wisconsin will in the Big 10. But if you're looking at long term and if you're looking at Luke Fickle's chances to win national championships, there's a pretty strong argument to be made you need to be in the Big 10 or the SEC because that's where the resources will be. That's where the NIL money will be. That's where the coaching salaries will be for your pool. That's where the facilities will be. And this is an example of the shifting landscape in that regard. Yeah. And, and you mentioned uh, how fickle maybe if he stayed at Cincinnati, at least in the short term, would have a better path to contention. Um, and of course, it remains to be seen what the Big 10 does long term when it comes to divisions. Obviously, Wisconsin now in the Big 10 West, a conference or a division I'm sure Luke Fickle would like to stay in. He might not say it publicly, but I'm sure privately, he would love to love to stay in the Big Ten West. But obviously, if the Big Ten goes divisionless, then uh, he'll have to deal with some of those Big Ten East teams on a more consistent basis, or at least more often uh, than he did at Wisconsin. And then a guy who he'll for sure be going up against quite often since the Big Ten, as I said before, still remains with divisions is Matt Rule. And Matt Rule, everywhere he's been, whether it was at Temple or Baylor, has shown that he could take a program uh, that needed to be rebuilt and rebuild it. And you said it, you know, if Fickle isn't the best hire made so far, it's rule. They might be 1A, 1B when it comes to that. But I really think Nebraska got a slam dunk when it comes to Matt Rule. And it wouldn't shock me if Nebraska finally is quote unquote back, or at least back to the days where they're more respected and more competitive and constantly making bowl games, which they haven't recently. I think Matt Rule is a perfect hire for Nebraska, um, both from a cultural standpoint. He's obviously a Pennsylvania guy, spent most of his career in the Midwest. He knows that part of the country. And also philosophically, like Nebraska fans probably don't want to admit it, but they will never be a destination for high profile recruits from around the country. NIL might bring some of those guys in and Nebraska's NIL is as strong as anybody, but they just don't have the geography to make it work with some of the elite of the elite. There just aren't as many players around that area per capita. But what Matt Rule has done throughout his career is he has used data to his advantage in recruiting. 
I wrote a long story about Mountain Rules recruiting a couple of years ago when he was at Baylor about how he uses analytics and verified testing numbers to find underrated gems. And then he trusts himself as a coach and his coaching staff to coach guys up. He did it at Temple. Like Matt Rule beat Penn State at Temple for the first time in like 80 years. Like Matt Rule totally changed that program. They won 10 games back to back years when he was there. Then he took over either the worst or the second worst situation a head coach has had other than Penn State after Joe Petrino left of the this decade or this last of this century. And he made Baylor into a Big 12 championship contender. Those two jobs are borderline impossible, in my opinion. And Matt Rule made it happen. And I have no doubt if given the time and given the resources, Matt Rule's going to work at Nebraska. Like you just have to give him a little bit of time to develop and put his roster in place the way he wants it to be. Absolutely. I think he's going to be incredibly successful there. And like you said, will Nebraska ever be back to uh, what it was under Tom Osborne? Who knows if they'll ever reach that level again, but they need to just get back to a level where they're consistently, you know, in bowl games where they're competing towards the top of the Big Ten. They haven't been uh, at that level really since they joined the Big Ten uh, about a decade ago, but I think Matt Rule was a great hire for them. Obviously, a a guy who has roots uh, to the Midwest, Pennsylvania roots. He's someone that can really recruit all over, and I think Matt Rule is going to be a great hire for the Huskers, and sooner rather than later, will bring them back uh, to competitiveness and towards the top of the Big Ten Conference. Now, one guy I wanted to discuss, it wasn't a hire. It was someone who decided to step down. Surprisingly, after Stanford's final game, David Shaw, after over a decade with the Cardinal, decided to step down, just saying that the time was right to make the move. And it leaves Stanford in a little bit of a bind because we talked about the changing dynamics of college football when it comes to Luke Fickle leaving a program in Cincinnati that was going to join the Big 12 to go to Wisconsin, a team that's in the Big 10. Well, Stanford obviously in the Pac-12 right now, a Pac-12 that's going to change in a year or two when USC and UCLA leave for the Big 10. Obviously, we know the issues that Stanford has recruiting because of their academics and the issues they have in the transfer portal, again, because of their academics. Uh, So David Shaw, because of the changing dynamics of football, you'd have to soon played a big role in his decision. And now again, Stanford, who knows who's going to get the job, but they're looking for a new head coach, surprisingly, after what has been a a 12-year run for Shaw. I just don't think it can be stated enough how difficult of a job Stanford is in this era. Even a decade ago, I think Stanford is one of the more attractive jobs in the country. Um, There wasn't a ton of pressure, but you had a prestigious academic institution, a very successful football program, resources to do pretty much whatever you wanted. Um, Stanford is not a cash poor university. And David Shaw and Jim Harbaugh helped build one of the best programs in the country at that time. But since the early signing period started, Stanford's just been at a huge disadvantage. It's really hard to get kids into Stanford, like you said. Their academic department doesn't usually admit kids until very late in this uh, fall semester for kids that are seniors. So it's difficult for players to make early decisions. It's difficult for the Stanford coaching staff to make early offers because they just don't know who's going to get into school. That's one element of this. And the other element is the transfer portal. Stanford can't keep any of their fifth and sixth year seniors because it's impossible for Stanford to get its own players into graduate school. That's why we see year after year so many Stanford grad transfers enter the portal. It's not because they want to leave. It's because it's just very difficult for them to get into school no matter how good their grades are because those programs are so competitive. And when you combine those two things in the current landscape, you get a very difficult place to win. Stanford certainly still does have some inherent advantages, but like Stanford's just in a really bad position because of those two things. They can't recruit high school as well as they'd like because of the early signing period. And they can't keep their players or bring players in via the transfer portal because of their admissions. So it's a, it's a difficult place to be. And I think it played a large role in David Shaw moving on. One more I want to discuss, and we're going to go on the field now. Michigan with a big win 
in the shoe against Ohio State. The first time Ohio State has lost back-to-back to Michigan since John Cooper, uh, I think in 1999-2000. Uh, so it's been more than two decades since that's happened for the Buckeyes. And Ryan Day, look, I'm not saying Ryan Day is going to get fired next year or he's you know on the hot seat or anything like that. But he's lost two to Michigan. And at Ohio State, that's just not good enough. Where would you say the pressure level is for Ryan Day right now as it in all likelihood, Ohio State's not going to be in the playoff, uh, barring a couple of things happening in, you know, conference championship weekend. Uh, let's just say they need help to get to the playoff. I'll put it that way. Um, and again, it would have been another year and another loss to Michigan for a day. The last two coaches before him won national titles. He hasn't done that yet. And now, in all likelihood, it'll be two seasons missing out on the college football playoff, too. So what's the level of pressure in your mind on Ryan Day heading into 2023? I will answer that question, but real quick. Any Ohio State fan calling for Ryan Day to be fired <laughs> Needs to chill, bro. Like he's 45 and five in his career as head coach. Need to chill. Um, but pressure is relative. And obviously the pressure at a place like Ohio State, even when you're 45 and five is different than anywhere else. This is a place with every inherent advantage possible, including a reasonably friendly path in the Big Ten outside of your annual game with Michigan. Ohio State should be in the playoff every year. That's the bottom line. So in that regard, like there is pressure on Ryan Day. CJ Stroud is never going to win a champ, like isn't going to win a Big Ten championship in his career as a starter. Or like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson, Smith and Jigba are never going to win a national championship. They've had the pieces to make this happen the last couple of years. So in that way, I think the pressure is on Ryan Day. But I think I just think people need to slow down generally. Like I know this game means a ton. It defines seasons for both teams. And Ohio State definitely needs to get tougher. We've seen that. They talked all this year about how they need to get tougher on the long line of the scrimmage. And again, when it happened against Michigan, we saw Michigan average over 10 yards per carry in the second half. So that clearly wasn't there. And, and that was with that. And that was without Blake Corum. I mean, Donovan Edwards is a five star. This isn't a knock on Donovan Edwards, but it's not yeah. like it was the one. It's not like it was the two headed monster of Corum and Edwards. It was just Edwards and he gashed them. Ryan Day lost to Michigan without their potential Heisman Trophy winner. Like it's it's not a good look. But I think everything is relative and people probably need to chill with Ryan Day. Do adjustments need to be made? Does this need to become a more physical football team? Perhaps does Ohio State need to embrace the transfer portal a little bit and bring in talent? Like, for example, this offseason, Ohio State passed on Eli Ricks. I think Eli Ricks would have been very helpful guarding Cornelius Johnson on Saturday um, when he was running him over the top. And they insisted on playing so much um, press man without any safety help. But regardless, Ryan Day is an excellent coach. I think if Ryan Day was going to leave, it would be his choice with the NFL as opposed to the other way around but there's certainly expectations at Ohio State and it is very fair to criticize Ryan Day for a second straight loss because there's too much talent on that campus for you to miss out on the playoffs 100% you hit the nail on the head and of course no Ohio State fan should want Ryan Day fired like you said he's 45 and 5 if Rutgers ever went 45 and 5 in a 50 game stretch I don't even know what I would do I don't even know what I would do. But with that being said, at the end of the day, expectations at Rutgers and Ohio State are very different. And Ohio State expects national titles. And they expect, at the very least, Big Ten titles and college football playoff appearances. And in all likelihood, this will be the second straight year where they don't win a Big Ten title. Well, for sure, it will be the second straight year they don't win a Big Ten title. And it will be the second straight year that they, in all likelihood, don't make the college football playoff. So while he's not on the hot seat, the pressure heading into 2023, if they lose three in a row to Michigan, and granted, this game is this next game is a, is a whole year away, uh, but this is now going to be 730 straight days of Michigan beating Ohio State. And I'm sure that doesn't sit well with the Ohio State fans and the Ohio State boosters. So again, while no hot seat, Ryan Day, I'm sure, has a lot to think about and has a lot of changes to make to maybe the structure of his personnel, the structure of his roster uh, before this 2023 Michigan-Ohio State game comes around about a year from now. So Chris, really 
appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate you joining me. Make sure to follow Chris on Twitter at Chris underscore Hummer. And with the transfer window opening December 5th, make sure to stay locked into 24-7 Sports and to Chris's Twitter as he will have you glued in on everything you need to know leading up to that day. So Chris, really appreciate you giving me the time. Thanks so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Happy to. So remember to give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, make sure to subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel as well. So for Chris Hummer, I am Lance Glenn. Thanks so much for listening to the College Football Daily.